War Room Hustlers, welcome back. Another episode for you. We are talking the Champions Classic. We recorded this podcast on Wednesday, November 7th. The Champions Classic was obviously on Tuesday, November 6th. So we're talking Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State. Ton of prospects to cover. Dan Fox is back to co-host with me. And we went over a lot. We talked about Zion, RJ Cam, Quinn Grimes, Udoka Azabuke. We talked about whether the Michigan State prospects are done or not. And we also hit on the top guys from Kentucky that really shined in that route where they really struggled to compete with the star power of Duke's Big Three. A lot to talk about. We try to be a little quicker today with the amount we're covering and the speed and how long this podcast is. We don't want to have this be a two-hour routine for you every week. So if we can keep it a little over the one-hour mark, we're happy, and we did that today. So without further ado, let's just get right to it. All right, War Room Hustlers. I got uh, no Twitter, Dan Fox, back in the house. And if you hear uh, something that sounds like a mouse munching on stuff. That's my dog Mo eating a potato snack. Can you hear it, Fox? Yeah, sounds like he's enjoying himself back there. Yeah, he's going to town. Um, he was—he's really amped up about Zion Williamson, and I think of the rest of America is too. And heading into the Champions Classic, Zion really was not a consensus number one overall pick, but leaving the Champions Classic one game in, the definition of small sample size. Zion might be the most talented prospect I've evaluated since Embiid, if not better. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, at this point, based on the way, I think there's uh, they're not going to play every game like that, obviously. So, so I think small sample size is key here. But yeah, if you're just looking at pure talent and like almost like a a player who gives you like a visceral gut reaction to what you're watching that you don't even need to dissect the game or be a astute student of the game of basketball it just it just felt different like watching him um and I think as far as was he consensus coming in definitely not if you put a gun to anybody's head and said make a pick a make a pick at number one I don't know who you're finding after again after one game that wouldn't go Zion well I made the joke to to somebody today um he said the Duke trio, it's them, and then it's like everybody else in terms of the big board. Okay. And my joke was, I actually think it's Zion, and then everybody else, and when everybody else, I mean RJ, and then like there's just gaps, in my opinion, between Zion, RJ, and Cam. Like They're not really... I don't think they're in conversations with each other any longer. I think you... Again, it's one game, and that's, that's crazy to say, but to me, what you liked about Zion, you saw... What you liked and were mildly concerned about RJ, you saw. And he probably gave you more of a positive than negative reaction in terms of like the concerns. And what you liked and were concerned about with RJ, with Cam, you saw. But I think more in the negative and just the fact that like he disappeared. But again, that's a broader conversation. I would just say, to me, it's, it's very clear cut right now. Those are the three and it goes in that order. And I would need to see a lot from RJ to, to make a case against Zion. Because Zion looks like a generational talent. I think that the gap between one and two, based on last night, is larger than the gap between two and three. Hmm. I, 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 I could see Cam surpassing RJ m- more easily than either of them surpassing Zion. So did you walk away from that game liking RJ more or less than you 
typically did or liked him before that game? I probably liked him more because I think it was, you know, for me seeing him display the intangibles uh, on that stage um, and how they just translated so effortlessly from what you saw his whole prep career uh, and putting him on that stage with new players, new coaches, a new environment. And it was just like the kid didn't miss a beat from a personality standpoint. If anything, he was more amped up and it was totally positive. Um, So from that standpoint, you have to like what you saw. And it's amazing to think that I don't even know what his numbers were, but they were obviously ridiculous last night. A lot of the same stuff that were concerns when we spoke a week ago on the pod are still concerns. And if that, and to me, that is actually more concerning, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, just to hit on that, you're talking about ball handling, you're talking about lack of polish, like kind of the ugliness of his game. Well, like, it, for instance, let's just put some contrast with, with Zion. I think that every time you see him, or not every time you see him, but you can see the evolution of his game from a skill standpoint. RJ, you're talking about? No, Zion. Okay. RJ, I don't think I don't think you're really seeing that. I mean, I think from a productivity standpoint, there's yet to be anyone that can you slow, know, him down. slow him down. I mean, and that that has to count for a lot. But his game hasn't evolved that much. His game hasn't evolved um, in the way I think you would want to see a guy at at his at his size evolve. I mean, I I think for me, I still have concerns about the style of play he has for a guy who's has the size of a, a wing. You know, there, there are twos that are the same size as him. Now, he's he's a bull. He's strong as hell. Um, he's relentless. He's relentless. And all those things, I think, are going to translate. And his his athleticism is... I don't know what how you want to phrase it, um, but his athleticism is very, very, very good. I don't know if it's great. I think he's like a near freak. I don't think he's a freak. Um, I think he falls in line with previous... Wings who play incredibly hard and therefore look slightly more athletic than they are. Um, and I would throw guys like Josh Jackson and MKG into that mix. I think he's more, but he's athletic. more athletic than both. He's of more athletic, yeah. He's definitely more athletic than both of those guys. He's more well put together than both of them. Well, definitely Josh Jackson, but um, yeah, I mean, overall, it was a positive, you know, I don't want to harp on that type of stuff too much because it was a positive, uh, positive game and a positive kind of first impression for him at this level um he was just completely unfazed and still physically overmatched everybody uh to the same degree that we saw him do against high school kids so that's a huge positive I mean I think that's the biggest and the biggest I think first step when we see what's the transition from high school to college is the physicality speed athleticism size gonna have an impact and it just didn't last night at all it's just to me it's I want to see his game keep evolving um, because I think where he's at right now is not star, superstar level offensively for the next level. Um, yeah. It's early, though. No, I mean, I come back to the fact that you said last week that he feels like almost bust proof, and I still believe that to be true, but I find it harder than ever to see like what his superstar version looks like. Right. I think we just need we you just need to see growth. I mean, he's 18 years old, mm-hmm. so you know it, it's certainly still probably there. Um, it's just to what degree. Um, and I think to put, uh, to kind of bring Cam into the, into the fold, I think that something to me that was on display, and I think it's going to be probably 
less of a concern as the season goes on because I think Kentucky just came out and played right into their hands last night. Um, and when teams start to slow the game down, I think that will actually make things easier for Cam. But the game last night, the speed at which it was played was just too fast for him to get opportunities. When you have guys like Zion and RJ that are athletic freaks and relentless and the faster the game is played, the better they're going to look. And then you have this guy over here that wants to take his time, wants to size you up, um, and may look better in a half-court situations when you need some, you need that level of skill to break guys down. I think that if Duke is going to play at that pace we saw last night, he's going to be on the sideline shooting threes and getting a few things here or there. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that from a prospect standpoint that, you know, that he can't be as good of a prospect as as RJ or as you know just as anybody, but it's just as far as a style of play, I think the speed at which they play at plays right into the hands of the other two guys and not him. And I think we might see a lot of a lot of situations like like last night where you just feel like he had probably a great stat line, but you know he didn't have the contribution or the impact of the other two. No, and I think it's yesterday I walked away from that game. Um, and I very clearly thought anybody that that was looking at Cam and, and Zion and RJ and wondering, like, could Cam play catch-up to that pecking order um, for missing time? Like, how hard will it be to cement his place amongst those two? Can he be a peer? Or will he just be, like, easily the third banana? He very clearly felt like the third banana. Um, but just kind of in real time as I was watching that game, Early on, it felt when Cam came out and hit a couple threes, and it, it felt like he was woken up a little bit. He had some swagger. He acted like he, he was there before. He had this charisma after he made threes, and he was defending. He looked like he wanted to press a little bit. He wanted to cause deflections. You're like, okay, I, I can see Cam's place in this. Um, he could be this point guard, wing, defender. Like He could wake up a little bit and start to slowly realize how good he can be and pick his spots whenever he wants. And then there's a stretch where you get to like the, let's say it was like maybe the four minute mark in the first half, and you're like, I haven't really noticed Cam in a while. Right. And it just feels like on this team, when you have two personalities in RJ, who might have the best killer instinct we've seen from a one and done freshman in I don't know how long. And I don't want this to be like the superlative, uh, that's not the right word, it's the. Uh, no, it is hyperbole, superlative. Yeah, the, the, they both work. Right, the, the hyperbole podcast. But um, RJ, the the combination of personalities between RJ and Zion is like nothing we've seen before. They're they are atomic. They can just completely impact the game with sheer relentlessness and charisma and star potential. At least from Zion, Zion has tremendous star potential. RJ is just a, a fucking killer. And then you have Cam who you don't notice for a 10-minute stretch. That's going to be hard. And you're right, when they get to the NCAA tournament and the game slows down, and they probably play a team that has a 7-footer, and that's going to slow down RJ a little bit when they play a guy that can actually impact the shots at the rim, not a team like uh, Kentucky who has a guy like Nick, Nick Richards, but the, Nick Richards isn't very good, and right. EJ Montgomery is still figuring things out, and Reed Travis isn't a rim protector, and P.J. Washington was like playing to three. And so the only guy that could really defend... RJ last night at any given time was Keldon, Keldon Johnson on Kentucky. But when that happens and teams start to maybe slow down RJ, if that's even possible in college, that could be a time when Cam steps up. But 
it does feel like he's going to be playing catch-up all season. No question. <clears throat> and I think the presence of Trey Jones further kind of puts him in the back seat because he's a guy who I think there's you know two reasons why he fits perfectly like with the other two big names in that from a it seems like from a mentality standpoint and an engagement standpoint he's also kind of foot on the pedal at all times and also he's just like he's not this incredibly skilled dynamo player he's just a table setter that plays relentless kind of similar to his brother in college so he fits perfectly to kind of pick and choose his spots and get other guys the ball and it makes sense that he has to have the ball in his hands I mean I think that was the thing that kind of surprised me the most is that and I don't know what kind of the numbers would show on this but it felt like even from a ball handling standpoint Cam was in came in fourth last night I mean, I think it makes sense that, of course, Trey Jones is going to have the ball probably the most, but I didn't necessarily predict that the other two would be initiating offense, I think, more than Cam. And maybe that's because they get defensive rebounds or what have you, but it just it, it never felt like the game kind of ran through him, and even Trey, who didn't score nearly as much, it felt like the game kind of ran through him much more than Cam. And, and that, I mean, you know, again, small sample size, one game, but... Um, so, and it's easy for us to obviously react and, and potentially overreact to things, but it is going to be something, something to monitor for sure. Yeah. I mean, my quick answer to why it seemed that way and it was that way is because I actually thought Duke played a lot of just one-on-one and it was very much a your turn, my turn style of game. And when you have talents like RJ and Zion, who might be the two best players in college basketball, you can do that. Right. It's, it felt like an old school like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade game where right. they just took turns beating up on, on their defenders and then Trey Jones was the only actual point guard there. And so Cam is not going to step over uh, you know a guy like Zion and a guy like RJ in the pecking order because he just doesn't have that, that killer instinct. He doesn't have that sort of assertiveness and he's never had it. Right. Um, I will say from a personality standpoint, Zion always felt to me like he was a little too... He wasn't loose, but he just felt like he was having a little too much fun in high school, and there wasn't a seriousness to him. And yet the Zion I saw yesterday was dialed in, and he was fun when he needed to be, but he was serious, and he was an A++++ teammate. There were moments where... He would pick up one guy that fell down and then run and punch, you know, R.J. Barrett in the chest. Like, he was engaged for his teammates. He was engaged for plays. He was unselfish. His star potential cannot be understated. And then you look at R.J., who's got this killer instinct that is incredibly rare. When you factor in intangibles, I just don't know what Cam's going to have outside of this possibility that we get to March and we're in the Elite Eight. And this team, for whatever reason, maybe Zion's in foul trouble and RJ is getting stifled by Udoka Azabuke. And Cam decides, I'm taking over in a way that I haven't really been able to do for most of the season. And that really opens up people's eyes. I think that could happen and that could be what maybe gives Cam a late push. But it does feel like, for the most part, we're talking about a two-man race for the top of the draft, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I mean, most likely I agree. I, I do think that there's... There's what you're talking about potentially happening in the Elite Eight. I think it's going to happen much sooner than that. I mean, not to say that I don't, I'm not going to like predict what this team's win total is going to be or how many games they're going to struggle. I, I think it's, I can't I, imagine them losing more than two regular season games. You wouldn't, no, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so. Of course not. Not of, not after what we saw last night. But I was, 
you know, and I, I can't say I was shocked, but I know Calipari and Coach K, they have different priorities than the rest of the country. A lot of coaches coach to win games and develop players. They have a million different things going on when they step onto a court to coach a game. And I don't think that Coach K could have foreseen what was coming at him last night with Duke. But, I mean, they just played right into their hands. They tried to, like, they Duke is going to play an NBA style because that's what you do when you have NBA players. And I think Calipari thought he was going to be able to do the same thing to them. And it just opened the game up like crazy. Everything came to Duke so easily. I think if you played from the jump a more half-court style with players that are accustomed to that, even if you're a little less talented than Kentucky, I think that Duke's going to run into problems this year with stuff like that. And, and problems might be the wrong way to put it, but I think they're, it's not going to be as easy as we saw last night. Yeah, I would, I would almost actually say it's, it felt more to me like a Team USA style than an NBA style. Yeah, it was a joke. It was, a, it was like a complete joke. It was, I mean, Kentucky, they, so all summer, all we heard about was like, Reed Travis, Reed Travis, he's going to be the best player on the team, he's 23 years old, this, that, and the other, I don't think he touched the ball the first 10 minutes, it was like I was watching their guards, who I know are McDonald's guys and five-star guys, but it was, they weren't playing to win, they just weren't playing to win, they were just going out and hooping. And you can't do, you, you know, I think the rest of America will have to take heat from that, and no, you can't do that against Duke. Yeah, it's hard to do that when you have uh, an absolutely transcendent generational talent. Um, I, I threw out names like Barkley before and Larry Johnson and even LeBron. Uh, and I'm at the point where he's obviously got a little bit of pieces of all those guys and even Draymond. Although Draymond feels like I'm underselling him. Uh, I think he's going to create his own window. I feel comfortable with the Jimmy Butler name as a non-upside name for RJ at this point. Although I think it's... If you're saying that's his upside, I think that's a little bit unfair. A non-upside name? Like, I don't think... I think he could be better than Butler. Yeah, sure. So, like, it's... it's somewhere... He could also be way worse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But but Jalen Brown feels, like, beneath his middle outcome. I would feel confident saying he's going to be better than Jalen Brown, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah, sure. And yet, with Cam, I still feel pretty good about the Batum-Jeff Green spectrum. Yeah, I don't know. Last night didn't do anything to convince you otherwise. I mean, <clears throat> he did defend in moments better than I've ever seen him. Granted, it was in really small flashes. Yeah, no, I agreed. I mean, he has, he has all the tools you would need to, at a minimum, get by and at least be kind of a versatile defender. Uh, I can't imagine, just based on what I've seen thus far from him in his career, that that's ever going to be like his calling card. But I don't think. I don't think he's going to be a defensive minus. No, but he could be someone where even if he doesn't reach his upside and he bounces around and people kind of take chances on him because of the appeal, uh, he could be a guy that come playoffs, you're still like, oh, well, we got to throw Cam out there because he's one of our five best defenders. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely possible. Uh, side note, Jeremy Wu, uh, frequent guest of the podcast, vehemently disagreed with your take that Reddish was a negative athlete. Well, I guess... Maybe negative athlete is a, is a strong way to put it, but if you watch the way he plays, I think I think he's a guy who busts the athleticism out in, you know, you see it rarely and you see it usually when he has open space um, and, you know, an opportunity to step into things. I don't think he has, you know, a ton of explosiveness or plays very twitchy um, 
or is able to rise up through contact, stuff like that, um, the way that I think a plus athlete would. Yeah, and I, I mean, we can always bring Wu on here to debate that with you. Yeah, but let's... no, I think I think that's I think that's probably fair. That's probably a harsh characterization to call him a negative athlete. I think probably it's a better way to put it is that he does not play athletically. Okay, um, let's let's shift gears really quick to Kentucky, where, in my opinion, the only prospect that I saw yesterday that's you could really walk away with an eval. I with... caught that criticism privately this week too, though. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Wu Wu has some people in his corner. <laughs> Um, Not to cut you off. So, no, the only guy I really walked away from that Kentucky game and thought, or the Duke-Kentucky game, is was this guy belonging in the same court as the big three was Kelton Johnson. And I thought everybody else felt a notch below. P.J. Washington was, was bad. Nick Richards was, for the most part, invisible. Reed Travis felt like he just scored in garbage time. And uh, E.J. Montgomery had a couple nice finishes around the basket, but there was nothing there to get excited about. You could you could give me even odds on Quade Green, Hagens, quickly, and Hero for who's going to become Kentucky's like lead dude at that primary ball handler spot, and I wouldn't even know who to pick. Um, but Keldon Johnson felt like he belonged. He had a moment where he was defending RJ, and RJ drove to the high post, and he just totally swallowed his drive and made him pick up his dribble. Then RJ kicked it out to Cam, and Cam tried driving and. Keldon quickly switched onto him and just swallowed the the dribble move and forced Cam to pick it up and he just stole it from him. And in that moment, you're like, this is this guy feels like I don't I'm not saying he's a dark horse for the top three. I don't think it's even necessary, but he does feel like he's well in that big group of guys contending for that next tier. And he does feel like someone that could be a top ten pick in this draft, can be uh, a three and D guy at worst, but. In high school, I always thought he was somebody that had a lot of ugly layups to the rim that weren't kind of unpolished. And I don't think anything yesterday looked totally NBA in terms of his slashing game. But the weird kind of from his hip, little floaters, um, not totally at the rim and at the glass finishing package, it was at least working for him against a team that has NBA players. And the, the I think the set shot's workable defensively. I think he's got a lot of ingredients I like. And I thought his makeup was great considering the hand he was dealt last night. Yeah, I mean, I think he was definitely, especially early on, probably the one guy that was up to task and up to the challenge physically uh, to kind of hold his own with the guys on Duke. Um, and mentally, you know, he obviously came out ready to play. I was... And I think, you know, when you throw out, like, there's some, there's a bunch of different kind of components that are all maybe in different phases of development. And a lot of the game is a kind of ugly and junky right now, but you can see that they're workable and there's a chance to be well-rounded as a player. Um, I did see that. Uh, but as far as him being a guy that you're talking about top 10 lottery his game just felt feels very far away I thought he got bailed out a a lot early on I thought a lot of his drives were kind of erratic um and not even to say that they were poorly timed and that the situation and the decision making on some of them I thought was you know erratic as was with the rest of the team though um not even to say that but just the polish and the skill level on the drives and the finishes I, I didn't really like it, um, so I wasn't I wasn't too impressed. But I do, I do I guess agree that 
he does, if you look at all the guys on Kentucky we saw last night, um, and really probably outside of the, the, the top three guys on Duke, he was probably the next guy on the court that you're like, all right, he belongs. No one's going to attack him. He can attack you if you know if the opportunity presents himself. So that that in a, that by itself, I do think, kind of speaks a lot. But as far as putting him in like that next tier category, I'm not seeing it right now. I'll need to see a little bit more um, polish and probably like some consistent scoring ability as the season goes on. Yeah, I just think it's it's not a particularly deep draft, especially in the lottery. You're gonna have guys like Rui Hachimura, DeAndre Hunter, uh, guys of that ilk, Nasir Little, Liu King. These they're all gonna be competing for high lottery picks, not just lottery picks. And Keldon to me feels like the the easiest candidate on Kentucky to be the guy that looks very different come March than he looks right now. And that's less about him fitting the young, toolsy, figuring it out mold, and more just that's Kentucky always feels like a team where their roles aren't totally set early in the year unless they have like the John Wall cousins types. Sure. Um, and it feels like this kid's gonna have to become the alpha, in addition to somebody else maybe being his beta, for this team to be any good. And if not, then they're gonna have to have some weird kind of duo of good college game, but funky non-NBA game between Reed Travis and P.J. Washington, which just seems kind of gross to me in terms of if if that's how they're going to be good. But Keldon feels like the guy that is going to get better. His shot's going to come along. He's going to... I'm sure he'll have some slumps because he's not a pure shooter, but it does... Like I would bet if we look at February and March, he's going to be shooting well from three. He's going to be somebody that improves at the free throw line. He's going to defend all year. He's going to add a little bit of new tricks to his game come second half of the season. And calling him a 3 and D guy feels like a lower end outcome. Whereas he could be something much better. I don't know what. He's not an all-star, but he doesn't need to be if he's the 7th or 8th pick in the draft. I think he just needs to be a, a kick-ass rotation starter on any team he's on. And so I think he could be that guy, especially when I look at this draft. And I'm not sure who has star potential outside of that top three, besides maybe Bol Bol. And there's no reason to talk about him today because Oregon didn't really play anybody yet. But I think once you get past Bol Bol and the, the Duke big three, you're you're just looking for guys that can be high level players. And Keldon, at least if, you, if I look at a guy from last year, I like what I saw from him much more than what I've seen from Mikel Bridges on non-great days, you know, when Mikel Bridges is like scorching the earth hot as he was for Villanova last year. So I, I like him. I think he's the, the best prospect on the team by far. But you were telling me before the pod that there was somebody else in Kentucky that caught your eye. I think going forward, uh, I, th- I think Hero is a guy that, to me, was the most interesting player on Kentucky. I mean, not to say he's better than Kelton, because I don't think that's the case. But to me, he's he's the most intriguing just because... I mean, his skill set, he's, he's just way more polished than anyone on that team. And um, athletically, he can hold his own. I mean, to me, the biggest question is, you know, is he going to be able to get his shot off? Um, is he going to be able to create enough space to get good shots off? Um, and how's his shot going to translate? Because I think his skill set is there, and I think as he kind of transitions and gets 
comfortable to the speed and size of the the guards he's going against in college. I just think his game is like tailor made for for what could be successful right now, especially based on the way Kentucky's going to play. Because it was just last night, it was just everybody around the perimeter pick and roll, and he wasn't able to get good looks. And I think he shot them out of the game in the beginning. But I think as the season goes along and you start to face lesser competition to a certain extent, combined with getting a little bit more comfortable and more acclimated, to me, he's he's the most interesting guy. Yeah, I, I see the appeal. I was skeptical about him heading into that game, and I thought he looked a little quicker with the first step. He he actually didn't set up his shot poorly by any means. He's got a quick pull-up, uh, textbook release. He's not slow. He's not a non-athlete, but his body's poor for an NBA 2. He's going to have some 2-2-1, 2-1 potential. But at the end of the day, I look at him and I think, why is Tyler Hero going to be good when Kennard's been struggling Nick Stauskas, it took you know 17 NBA teams for him to figure it out, mm-hmm. and we don't even know if that's been the case yet. Um, I just look at him versus those two. Don't you think he's a, he's more athletic than those guys? Not Nick. Well, okay. So as far as as far as Nick Stauskas is concerned, I don't think he's he's not like in a dunk contest. No, he's not as athletic as Nick Stauskas. Nick Stauskas in every other facet of athleticism and strength and burst, I think he's significantly more. I mean. I don't. I think that's one of the things with Stauskas, and I think we expected it with Kennard, but have been surprised with Stauskas is that the athleticism that we saw in spurts is just completely non-existent in a functional capacity in the league, right? I mean, I think Hero. I think you see him he elevates like crazy on his jump shot. You see him when he gets into the paint; he actually can get all the way to the rim and sometimes finishes in traffic with his hand up around the rim and above the rim. To me, like his in-game athleticism is actually better than those two. I hear you. I mean, it, it, we do th- we do kind of confuse vertical athleticism with overall athleticism, especially with Nick, and that's probably one of the reasons why we might have been wrong on Nick. And we can always do a Nick Staskis revisit podcast, um, <laughs> but I, I think there's a pretty small audience for that one. Uh, but yeah, I, I hear you. I still think he doesn't check enough boxes for me for a pro two guard. That's not going to be just a shooter we want him to be more than that and there's a recent track record for two guards that don't have a ton of tools that have somewhat questionable pro athleticism that fail the eye test from a physique standpoint and you put them in the nba and you hope they can be more than shooters but they really just become shooters and if they're not bellinelli if they're not reddick then they're just kind of journeymen and in Joe Harris, I guess, is a little bit different, but Joe Harris does feel like he's really rugged. He's got a great, this great body. He's more of a 3-2. Uh, and again, another guy where it took, like, the Brooklyn Nets lab to kind of unearth his version of NBA high-level rotation player. And he's also on the Brooklyn Nets, and we don't know what he would be like on a team that's actually competitive. Yeah, I think Joe Harris, he's, pr- he's probably a little outside this conversation. For sure, yeah. Because he's built like a football player. Right. And defense. And I, he, he's like more of a almost a catch and shoot guy. Yeah, and, and guys. it's just there is a a thin margin. And not for to it. keep like harping on the Joe Harris uh, thing, but he also doesn't miss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> whereas Dalskis and Luke Kennard miss. Yeah, I mean, again, but that comes back to like if Hero's not going to be a true playmaker and creator, then or you know shot creator, then he's got to be a dead eye shooter. Sure. And in that event. Why is he that much better than Bryn Forbes? I don't know. Well, and I, and I guess, to me, I guess that's why I suppose I'm saying 
using the word interesting. I'm not mm-hmm. using the, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, he's worthy of a top pick or anything like that. I just think there's something there that um if I think if the shot proves to be as, you know, as knocked down as people think it could be, then um you know, he he can unleash or, or I shouldn't say unleash. He can unlock a game that I think he has enough athleticism potentially to carry to the next level, which I think those other guys were talking about, maybe they didn't. Um, but yeah, and I also think Kennard also same thing. Like I think the the for him, I think the books like definitely still out on him. I think you know he can still be successful. And I think the way the league is going, it keeps making things easier and easier for guys like this to not necessarily have a starring role in the league um, or do what they did in college, but to have some type of role, use you know some type of useful role. In the league, I mean, I think that that's kind of where where things are going. I agree with that, but I would bring up a guy like Landry Shamit, who also didn't really have great eye test scores for a two guard in college. The hope was that he could be some sort of a positive combo. He's like never allowed to dribble or really do any sort of playmaking for the Sixers. Maybe that's just role, but I also think that's ability. And he showed more point guard ability than I would expect to see from Hero in this one and done season. If that's all we get from him at Kentucky. And yet his role is very finite in the NBA. Well, he sh- well, first off, it's been like nine, ten games for Landry Shamit in the NBA. Yeah, but that's what Landry <laughs> Shamit will be forever now. Most, I, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but but I, I hear what you're saying. But and, and he definitely has probably more point guard than Shamit had in college. But I don't think he has nearly like the hand or the creativity that I say Shamit. I don't think he has nearly the hand or the creativity that Hero has. He might have more point guard. But he doesn't have that other stuff, I, th- I think. Yeah, you're right in a sense, but I think it's... it's. And I also think, like, to go back to a guy like Kennard... you're level two guards who can, like, really stifle you when you put the ball in the deck and you don't have any sort of strength, it does limit how much you can do off the dribble. I mean, I didn't think... Like, to be honest, like, I thought... I didn't think he, like, looked awful last night. I was like... Physically? Was, yeah, like, he was taking shots and I'm like what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, he was taking some horrible shots um, and completely, like, looking the jack for himself to start the game. But, like, just, like, seeing, like, the difficulty of things for him, like, I was actually surprised, based on what I saw in high school, how he was kind of able to kind of get to places last night. I, I was I, I was intrigued by him, and I was, I was, I was encouraged by what he did last night. It, Even though I think his impact on the game was was not good, I was encouraged by him too. But I still think it's it's all relative with Kentucky when they looked as bad as they did, and their guard situation's kind of a hot mess, and you don't even know who their five best players are right now outside of Keldon at one. He just felt like the, I think I use this analogy a lot, but he felt like the best steak meal in a town that has one steakhouse and then. A bunch of McDonald's and Wendy's and places that have like the steak special, and so it's the best that they had outside of Keldon. But it, he looked better than he did because I just really think everybody else didn't look that good. Shitting on one steakhouse towns now. That's I see where we're going. <laughs> no, I, mean, I see where the no, podcast is going. No offense to the one steakhouse towns, but um, yeah. So let's move on here. Uh, nobody else to talk about with Kentucky right now. No one else to talk about Duke, um, Michigan State. I do want to just kind of buried their prospects for now. Um, Cassius Winston, Nick Ward, Joshua Langford, stay in school, be four-year players, 
because you're not NBA prospects right now. Um, Nick Ward had this body weight loss situation. People kind of got excited about that. I always thought he didn't stink. Um, watching him against Udoka Azebuke, I thought his prospect talk is done for the whole season. There's nothing to talk about right now. It's, he's a five that's that's built like a four from the 1990s, and he's just not going to make sense in the NBA right now. Um, Cassius Winston makes Tim Frazier look like Mike Conley, and Joshua <laughs> Langford like can't do anything that isn't a, a wide-open jump shot or a pump fake relocate for a really lame, non-explosive pull-up shot. Uh, I actually thought, interestingly enough, the only guy that wasn't really phased by Kansas whatsoever was Matt McQuaid. I thought you were going to say Kenny Goings. No, yeah, you're right. Well, Kenny Goings came out, but Kenny Goings like was just hitting shots and picking pops, and like McQuaid was attacking. Yeah, I mean McQuaid looked fine except for like the four times that he fell trying to cross over. But uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> other than that, though, he looked he looked fine. No, I'm I'm with you on all the all, all the. I'm things not saying Matt said. McQuaid's a prospect, right. but you know, I mean, it, it's a testament to how Cash Winston couldn't do anything. No, I mean he had his Nick moments. Ward was awful. No, I mean I think Cassius Winston had a, had a few you know nice plays, but overall, uh, if you're getting outplayed or played even by a freshman uh, who's not like you know gonna be a lottery pick, played even is kind. F- fair enough. No, I I I, I agree. Um, then that's you know that's not a good sign to me. The only guy that on this team that there was an ounce of hope for, for at least for me, was Langford. Um, and yeah, he's just is just more of the same. It looks like, um, which is unfortunate. But you know, Nick Nick Ward and uh, Winston, I, guys, I was never never fans of as far as prospects. Um, you know, I think they both have have you know really nice traits um, and, and nice games. But as far as prospects, I was never on them. But I agree, they're all kind of. You know, they're we, done for we can, now. Yeah, we can put them on the back Yeah, I mean, burner. Cassius Winston is an NBA 2K player that you create, and you're like, oh, I really want this guy to be able to pass and shoot threes. And then you start playing, and you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't do anything in the speed or athleticism uh, department, and now I can't get past anybody, and I can't do anything inside. And he's not a good enough ball handler for that type of role, and he's just too small, and he's completely toolless. And I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I'm, I'm like retired from 2K, unfortunately. But... When's the last time you played? I mean, I play like probably like two or three times a year with like random people here or there, and I get smoked. But like, I mean, I had like an illustrious career, uh, you know, a few years ago, um, which ended. But Cassius Winston's like when you do the creative player, you give him the attributes he just said, and then you get like too lazy to do like the practicing and all the other <laughs> right. bullshit that right. you know. You just like buy him headbands and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So then he ends up being Cassius Winston. Yeah, but oh, really quick question: uh, Have you played Two K recently to the point where they have like the the shot the shot meter? I like when you shoot. Yeah, I like, think I've played. So it's Two K nineteen. I have played Two K nineteen. Thoughts on the shot meter? Because I grew up with no shot meter in Two K, and I don't like the shot meter. <sighs> I don't like knowing that if you, like because when you hit it right. and it goes green, it tells right. You know, like this shot's going in. That, um, that's really stupid. You know what? I didn't have. Yeah, I guess in that regard, because if you have a it, it, if you go green, you're pretty much guaranteed to make it. Like as unless you're shooting with Shaq, right? Right. So I think probably in that regard, it's it's stupid. The only thing I'll say is I think over the past few years, two K has made their shooting much more difficult. So 
to kind of balance that, they put the sh- and I don't know, I don't know if this has like already been discussed or if I'm making some no dumb, we, stupid we, shit up. We talked about this on the 2K pod last week. <laughs> <laughs> I've been discussed by others, not by okay. you and I. But I assume that the the shot meter is there to counterbalance. So like, if you're bricking jumpers with Steph Curry and you're ready to throw your controller against the wall, at least now you know like, oh, I'm late every fucking time. Yeah, but the the dumb thing is like, I really enjoyed. Back in the day, and I sound like an old man, and I'm not, I'm like an old man talking about video games, which is a really funky combo. Um, I felt like back in the day, it was really fun to just learn guys' forms and know like this is when you should release it with this guy because this is how he shoots. And then you you would be like, I would do a draft with my friends, and I would take J.R. Smith really high because I knew I could shoot well with J.R. Smith's form. Whereas now you're staring at the shot meter, you're not staring at their form. I guess that's fair. No, that's a good point. But you still have to Yeah, no, 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 that that's a good point. I mean, there's something there's some probably something to be said for that. I always remember like Kevin Martin was impossible to shoot with. Yeah, so you just get it. But see, the thing about that is also is like yeah, Kevin Martin was impossible to shoot with and I I also remember correctly like Prime Dirk was really hard to shoot with. Really so hard it's to like shoot with. so is Larry Bird. So like, what's fun the- about that? Like if I, if I like can't play with like Dirk Nowitzki when he's averaging 28 a game in real life like because I'm not going to make any jump shots and all you do with Dirk is shoot. And what's the fun? Well, then I think you got to just spend time in the gym and work on that Dirk shot. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair um, enough. <laughs> but uh all right. So we're done with talking Michigan State. Let's talk about Kansas a little bit. Udoka Azabuke clearly could have declared for last year's draft, opted to return to school. He's a junior, but he's really young first class. Um, has done tremendous things with his body. Was really more... He's always been heavy-boned, but was was carrying bad weight when he was younger. Uh, a little bit of a plotter. And he's gotten lighter every year. He's become more mobile. He's developed the ability to actually change ends and be a factor around the, the rim as a, a shot blocker. Um, he was tremendous. And will he be what the modern NBA wants from a five? I don't know because he can't really play outside of three feet. But he's immovable. He is really damn good from within five feet. And he's actually improved as a rim protector, even if it's not like sexy in a Capella or, you know, even Biombo way. It just feels like maybe there's a role for him even at this weight, as just somebody to toss at the Drummonds of the world, which I don't even know if there's a role for. But there's also a sliver of possibility that if he can lose another 8 to 10 pounds and just get leaner in almost like an emaciated way, maybe he's a starting 5 on a really low-end you know, scale. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it with him. You don't, don't see any of it? No, I don't think, like, I think the role you're talking about, which you kind of threw out a caveat as, like, is there a role for him to guard Drummond? And then you threw out, like, maybe not. I'd say, like, <laughs> yeah, probably not. I don't think there's, I just don't think there's, like, a role for that player in the league. Because, I, I mean, look around, I don't think there are any. But isn't that because he's kind of unique? I mean... Like, it, he's so much better than, like, the Dakari Johnsons of the world, who there are no roles for. Yeah, he's he is better and than the Daniel Dakari. Ordens of the world. He is better than those guys. But those guys, they, like... Not only did they, they, those guys probably wouldn't have had a role in any era, to be honest, because like those That's guys. That's not true. Those guys could have been like the third six fouls against Shaq. Okay, so they could have been like a, a they could have been a bum, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a role. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There is a role, but like that role, that role is like not only does that role like not exist now. That role is like, like might as well have been like extinct a hundred years ago. It doesn't exist. I mean, the way things are changing, and I like also a few things you said there, like. Just to like, 
I think because this guy is productive, he's going to be like he's going to have a productive year, like no doubt about it, and he's going to be a problem for most teams that Kansas plays. I'm, you know, when you look at them, he really, he, he, you could argue he's going to be like their most valuable player. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but you could probably make the argument right now that that might be the case. So we want to make, uh, you know, we want to talk about this guy like he has a chance at the next level, but like. We've set the bar pretty low, I think, just because there's not many guys left like him. You said he's kind of added the ability to change ends of the court. Yeah, but the, the, I know that sounds and, like and like you, a backhanded compliment, but that that's a must for a guy of his mold. But but the fact that we're even like to cross saying, the threshold, he had to cross to be considered I, a prospect. See, I, in to, 2018. To me, I think you're setting the threshold like way lower than it actually is. I'm not saying that that's what like that threshold means. He's like really fucking good, but that he needed to cross that threshold to to be interesting. I think you're making a threshold up to make him interesting by saying he added the ability to change ends of the court, and he's you called him kind of a plotter. I would say he's not a plotter anymore. I would say by NBA standards, he is a plotter. I don't think so. I okay, maybe. And Maybe by NBA standards. He's also, like, he's still kind of not, like, he's not actually, like, he's productive and effective. And this is, like, this is a bit of an oxymoron. He's productive and effective, but he's not, like, good. Like, when he has the ball in the post, it's, like... It takes a little it, bit too long. It's it's kind of gross a lot of the time. But it's, the footwork's improving. He's actually showing, like, a couple new moves. And... Forget about the post stuff because that's arguably the least impressive sure. thing you want in an NBA sure. player unless they're a legit scorer. Yeah, uh, and that's like a wrinkle that they have. Mm-hmm. But he's a really good alley oop target. Yeah, no, no question, he is. He is. I just and I, he's going to set road grading screens, which also is not that important for just a guy if that's like one of the three things you do offensively. To me, to me, like I just don't see. I don't see. I think like. You can get those guys, and I think like the Warriors guys are better versions of what we're saying he's going to bring. Like, if we're talking about a guy who's going to set screens and play above the rim on offense, like, give me a guy who's like six nine, six ten, and can also kind of switch on screens and be mobile and active on defense. Which this guy's not going to bring. This guy's he can protect the rim and block shots, but I just. I don't think that that there's a ton of value in that, as crazy as it sounds, if you're not also, like, extremely mobile. What if I told you he was 12 pounds lighter in three years? Yeah, I mean, maybe that's something. I I just think, like, to me, he still has... He just doesn't have, like, the quality of movement that I think you need to have in the NBA right now. I just don't see it, and I don't think... I don't think he brings any type of... Like, I don't think there's any, like, thing special that's keeping me, like, locked in to try to... Like, he, he's just... He's not worth a project for me. Where where does he... Like, there's just... like it are And not to say that this means that he can't play in the league, but are there any guys like him in the league right now that aren't, like, starters? Like, behemoth starters? Not even that. Let's just take a step back. Are there any guys like him in the league right now? Well, if you're just talking about guys that would fall into the more of a plotter tier, yeah. Valanciunas is a plotter, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't start anymore. He starts some nights. Okay. He's, he's, he starts when they play, like, bigs, I, 
I forget who he, who, who he started against. Uh, yeah. is, would you call Drummond a plotter? No. Would you call Vooch a plotter? Yeah, you could, but like Vooch is so skilled, and like Valanciunas is pretty damn skilled, and he's bigger. Would you call Brook a plotter? Yeah, but Brooks Brook is crazy lights skilled. out, and he's a lights out three point shooter now. Would you have called Bogut a plotter? Mm, I mean, I guess every really. most of the guys I'm describing are like very good offensive they're talents. Good, they're good players. Yeah, I hear you, um, but he does feel to me like someone that we don't see in the league because this this style of player has a become a little bit outdated, and because b he's really unique in he a is sense. Unique. He would be unique. You know, it's not like there's a lot of Azubuki's coming up in any era. Like in the '90s, it's not like they would he was growing on trees. Like this where, is a where unique... would he been drafted if this was 2001? Oh, probably like he would have been like the the guy who's like. 22 all season and then like someone would draft him like number 8 100% I feel like he would be drafted higher than that and well, if he was playing in 2001 what set, what rank center is he in the NBA is he like the 10th best center no I think he's a bum like I, I legitimately <laughs> it's, I think that's he, crazy his, some of his his post ups are like so bad and you gotta realize who is he guarding last night like he was guarding someone who's 6 foot 8 yeah but Nick Ward as much as I bury him as a prospect, he, he's good. He's not garbage on a college floor. There's no he question. He just looks garbage against the Udoka. Sure, and we should credit Udoka for that. We should, 100%. Okay, I never be sarcastic. No, no, I am. I'm saying, no, I am. He, he, I, I, he, I hear you. Like, he's the reason that happened. Like, Nick Ward might average 17 and 10 this year. He, like, killed Nick, Nick Ward's prospects. And yeah. And prospects right now. No, it was, it was like, the. it was probably the worst matchup for Nick Ward to have to deal with on that stage in this pivotal of a season for him. Yep. Like it, it was yeah, it was it was like could be career altering. Nick Ward spent like all summer like he's running on the treadmill, he's he's on the right diet, he's putting in the work, he's working on his body, he's working on his game, he's got this, you know, two thousand nineteen NBA draft circled and then he comes out and Udoka just like bops him over the head with a shovel and just says like you're done for the season. It's not yeah. happening. No, he was he was really disappointing last night, and I, he 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 didn't display like the best body language. He was he was a disappointment last night. I mean, here's I think here's gonna be a a conundrum though with with Azubuki this year is that, and this this obviously may not be the case, but I think he is gonna have a really productive season, and I'm sure as with any player, he'll have ebbs and flows, but I don't think that we're gonna. He's the I think he's the best. I think he's probably the. Frontrunner for best center in college basketball. Yeah, he probably is. He probably is. Which isn't like a hot take. I mean, it's it's Gafford, him, Jonte Porter could have been in that mix if he was healthy. Bol Bol. Um, but you're taking him. Like if 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 you're putting a college team together right now, you're taking him. You're yeah. most comfortable with him holding down the fort there. I just think because of that fact, which I I agree with. I think the conversation with him at the end of the season is probably going to be very similar to the conversation we're having now because I think with him, it's, of course, what can he change? What can he improve on? What do we see, like, what glaring holes come up, as with any player? But I think that with him, the conversation is more so projecting him on an NBA court and does he fit? And it's this, it's just this kind of projection game we're playing as opposed to well, he's adding this to his game, or you know, as the season goes on, we realize he can't do that. I mean, I think we kind of, we kind of know what he. We're going to know what he can or can't do. It's just, it's just about kind of seeing, you know, 
picking and choosing do you think he fits? Yeah, I, I do think age is working in his favor. Improvement is working in his favor. Um, but I hear you. Uh, Quentin Grimes was really the, I, I, I would say, the best prospect in the game, although people kind of got excited about Diedrich Lawson. Before we get to Quentin Grimes, do you see anything from Diedrich Lawson that kind of wowed you, was different for you, got you excited? Nope. Nope. I mean, he, he, he felt like a buzz, the guy that was getting a lot of buzz from that game. Yeah, no question. I mean, he, he's he's damn good. He's super unique. Um, he's definitely, I would think, going to have to be one of the best players in the country this year. Um, yeah, he's he's really good. I just, to me, he's all the things that I think two years ago I wasn't high on him at Memphis. I don't think as a as a staff EV Hoops was, no. if I remember. I always thought he was like a statute stuffer on a team with no talent. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if if we had him ranked or where we had him ranked, if we had him ranked at all at the time. But um, I mean, it's the same story with him. I don't th- I don't think his game translates at all. Uh, to me, he's to me he's not a draftable player. No, he felt like an undersized four that actually has a, a glue guy skill set. But approaches the game like uh, a score in a way where sometimes you want players that are that have had have this you know overqualified resume and then can kind of settle into a, a role. Whereas I think he like wants to be a scorer and he wants to be this like playmaker. But he forced a lot of offense. I didn't believe in any of his spots and his pet moves. Um, and the passing is good, but like. I, I, if I have to hear one more time that Bill Self is comparing his passing to Larry Bird, I'm going to like jump out off of a building. Um, I I thought glue guy who doesn't have the makeup I want for my glue guy. So what are we really talking about? He's a six seven four. Yeah, I'm with you. And and doesn't you know he he's not a shooter, and doesn't seem like he wants you know it's not like he's wants to do that. Um, he's at his best like playing at the high post. Right, and that no, nothing that I think. It's always good to have another passer on the court, um, but I don't think anything that we saw him do uh, yesterday will translate to the NBA. To me, it's like if he wants to dedicate himself to becoming a shooter, then is there maybe some kind of slightly more four version of a Niang type of guy at the next level, maybe. But his game's not nearly as stretched out as that. Um, and I I think Niang's basketball IQ is better. He's just way more physically limited. Yeah, I don't even know if... I mean, Niang is... I don't know how much more physically limited. I mean, Diedrich... I guess Diedrich moves better. He's obviously got a really good wingspan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if the athleticism is is that much better it's probably marginally better and at the at the next level i mean you know you talk about a negative athlete like he's a negative athlete at the next level i mean it just he's not what you're looking for out of a six seven player in the nba it's just not it's just not there no even as the league is positionless i just still don't think he checks off enough boxes in the intangible and and just non-scoring department that that matter from a like game on game basis you know you're going to get out of Diedrich. i just don't think he really cleanly fits that role no but Quinton Grimes, who uh, D- Dick Vitale uh, called a streaky shooter, and then proceeded to, like, I I just thought it was. Re- I'm not knocking uh, Dickie V. Well, he said I was told. It's not like he was saying, you know, I've watched this guy for the last six years, and he's, you know, he's a real streaky shooter. He could develop. He 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 came out and said someone called me and told me. Right, but, well, but he he only said that after Quinton Grimes started cooking. He was like. 
He's well. He's kind of like I've heard he's a streaky shooter. I th- I really think he was like he's a streaky shooter, and then very quickly he was like, oh no, like he's like he's not a streaky shooter. Like he's just starting like freaking out, and he's every after like every subsequent shot he's like I was told lies. Like he's just like losing his mind. Um, That's quite an impersonation right there. Is that a good Dickie V impersonation? Ah, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna have to stew. I'm gonna have to listen to it on air. Uh, again, and I'll get back to you. Okay. Um, but yeah, he shot the piss out of the ball. Every shot looked identical. Most Mostly catch and shoots. Um, showed some positive playmaking chops in a secondary role. It was not in like a real dynamic way, but just within the flow, making the next pass, not forcing anything, keeping the ball moving. Uh, liked what I saw. I think people are going to be excited from that game simply because of the the way he shot the shot the ball. I don't see upside. I was to me to me like it's hard to say that you got a negative impression from someone who made like seven threes or six threes. So to me, it was a bit like of an incomplete type game because. He didn't really do anything. Um, he didn't do anything. Other, I mean, he was it, solid and steady and poised. He was fine. He never forced action. Um, early in the game, he uh, had a fast break layup where he elevated really well, took some contact, finished. It was not an easy play, but he made it look very. Um, he made it look easy, um, and it wouldn't be easy for any player. So, um, I thought that was nice. He had one time where I think he he had, you know, after he hit a bunch of threes and he had Langford pressed up on him, he kind of hit him with a crossover and got might have got fouled um, and got some space. But He also had a pull-up three that I thought was really rigid. Rigid in a good way or a bad way? When is rigid ever good? I don't know. I didn't know if you meant, like, rigid and, like, compact. You know, like... Oh, uh, no. no. Rigid in a bad way. Rigid in a bad way. <laughs> I thought, I mean, I thought his whole game was, I mean... Uh, I mean, maybe not his whole game, but his his handle is very. It's very. There's nothing there. I mean, he never. He just never attacked. Uh, I think he probably took two shots inside the arc. One was a layup, and one was a, a pull up jumper. When I thought he had an opportunity to keep going and get all the way to the rim, so that's why I say incomplete. Because if you can go seven for ten shooting the three ball, um, and his form, I agree with you. His form was the same every time. The release was quick as shit. Uh, like he, I trust him completely in that department, but that's not enough for him to to be this highly drafted NBA pick, even if he's really young for his class. Well, I'll say this: uh, I didn't think he started off the game like hunting shots as though he was knocked down, and he knows it. I thought made the first one, made the second one, and granted, the form was you know the form was good, and it was the same every single time. And then after he hit a few, it was like, I'm feeling good, and now I'm going to start really like, if I have daylight, I'm shooting. So to me, that tells me it, it could it could mean absolutely nothing, but it could also mean he was hot, and he knew it, and he felt good, and he just said, I'm going to start letting him go. Um, and if that's the case, and that's not reflective of the shooter he is right now, then I would say it was a concerning performance. I, I mean... He's got a good body for sure. Uh, he's a decent athlete. I think he's like a good enough athlete um, that he should be able to do some stuff off the dribble inside the arc. But it was just almost like an incomplete. I just didn't see anything. He defended. 
Um, so, but but I just I just didn't get much other than the jump shot. To me, it didn't look like I was watching like a fe- a freshman, like a phenom freshman. It was just a guy who had a bunch of threes and has like the phys- looks the part physically. He he felt to me like an NBA player. Um, but whenever I see, and maybe it's just like the Jayhawk uniform that's just blinding me. But whenever I see that size, that frame, no burst, three point shooting. Wayne. And I think Xavier Henry. Mm. And so I'd like to think he's better than that. But I'm not sold on the upside. I think if he's going to be some really good star in a surprising way, like he's picked seven and he ends up kind of breaking out because he's young and he keeps developing, it's in a Devin Booker way, which I did not see anything that would lead me to believe that that's in there right now. Outside of he is a fine passer within the flow. It's just not in a dynamic way. Um, but there's nothing we could have seen from Devin Booker that would have suggested the player he's become. No, but I mean that's I not th- to suggest that Grimes can be. But you know what I'm saying? No, of course not. But but I think I think it's kind of in a it's a little little bit of a different way. It's like with Booker, he was out of shape in college. Uh, I think the role on that team, in hindsight, clearly held him back, obviously. Do you remember right? the nickname we gave Booker? Yeah, Bowling Ace. Because <laughs> he walked off every time he like would walk off the court, or every time he like walked onto the court when he would sub into the game, it looked like he just like finished a big bowl of like uh, pasta Bolognese. Right. <laughs> Going Bolognese Booker. That did not age well. No, it definitely didn't age well. Which is a good thing. I mean, more credit to him. I love watching him play. But... With this kid, it's like, it's not a physical thing because, you know, he's he's clearly in shape. He's, you know, really well put together for an 18-year-old. And it's not an opportunity thing. I mean, he's going to play the whole game, uh, you would think, even though they're deep. Um, with him, I just, you know, w- you know, I think the thing is he's obviously not going to shoot 7 for 10 from 3 every night or 6 for 10 or whatever it was. He's not making 6 threes every night. So we're going to get an opportunity to find out if there's anything there. The thing you're talking about with, like, the passing, he did play well within an offense. But, again, it's because he just didn't do anything. And I think if you can shoot and you're physically there, then, yeah, there's value in not forcing things. And there's value in playing within yourself. But if we're talking about a top ten pick or a lottery pick, there has to be something more. I mean, he he literally didn't do anything inside the three-point line. Like, absolutely, he actually didn't do anything. Every time he got the ball, basically, it was either shoot or dribble to the next guy along the perimeter for the handoff. It's every time. So, um, you know, not to sound too negative on him, I really liked him um, coming into school, and I was a little surprised by the lack of anything off the bounce last night. Uh, but we'll see. I give him the incomplete grade. Okay. Um, and I'm not drafting him top 10 if I have to draft tomorrow. Okay. Um, let's. So I think we've talked about everybody that's worth talking about in the Champions Classic games. So I want to end this podcast uh, by asking you a question. I just pulled up all of the number one overall picks since 2005. Bogut, and I'm just going to focus on college players. So what are we talking? 13 picks? Yeah, so Bogut, Odin. Rose, Blake, Wall, Kyrie, Anthony Davis, Bennett, Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Simmons, Fultz, Ian. Mm. We'll go three players each. You got to win a college game today, tomorrow, whatever. And you're getting this guy, his version of himself in college the year before he got drafted. 
Like the year he got drafted. Okay. And we're throwing Zion into the mix. Okay. So, because I'm curious where he's going to rank with these guys in terms of how good he's going to be this season. And okay. I, granted, we've only seen him for one game. Do you want to we... throw RJ into the mix too? Uh, sure. I mean, for the purposes, I guess, of... Um... He's, he's, I mean, he's still in the mix, so we might as well throw him into the mix. He's not for me. <laughs> okay, well, you got to win one game tomorrow. And again, you're getting this guy the way he was in college. Mm-hmm. So you want the first pick or you want the next two? Um, how many hands? Does, does Greg Oden have two healthy hands, two healthy wrists? Uh, it's healthy Oden. But is it healthy wrist Oden? Because didn't Oden have yeah, but, Oden, but Oden's was still, wrist was busted up all season. But then he shot with the opposite hand at the free yeah. throw line and was still good. Uh, well, okay. You you pick. This is you know you this is this is your exercise. You go if you want first or this and next till. You I'll let take, me know. I'll take first. Um, I will take with the first overall pick. Anthony Davis. Yeah, that was the easy one. I think the the hard thing here, and what are we doing? You want to pick three guys. Mm-hmm. The hard thing here is the the positional thing. It's like, as with any any you, type we of draft four. situation, we'll do four. If we go back to 03, gives me like LeBron and Dwight. Yeah, but they, would, they, they didn't play in college. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you went with Anthony Davis. I'm going to go with. I feel like there's only so. Like, this this kind of has to be Odin territory. Oh, yeah, yeah, Odin. Because I was thinking if I get first, I'm going to take Odin. So I'm going to go Odin, and uh, or I was going to take Odin or Anthony Davis. So I'm going to go Odin and I mean I don't want to be like crazy right now and say Zion. No, I can't. That'd be too much. Odin. I think it'd be way too early to take Zion. Yeah, I'm going to go Odin and Blake. Okay, I'll take Zion. <laughs> oh, we're, just... we're we're playing we're actually we're we're using tactics right now. I, I realize mean, it. He's He's got to be next on the list. Well, I mean, Wall was. It's great. very difficult because you're t- we're talking about one game, so we have the fortune of having like seen. Well, maybe not for a few of them if they got hurt, but we have the fortune of seeing these guys for full seasons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe Zion doesn't score twenty eight on insane field goal, on insane shooting every single night. Um, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I, to be honest though, I, I don't disagree. To me, it was either him or Blake. The rest of the, and part of the reason I go with Blake is because he came back for a sophomore year and was just like, he was dominant in a way that I don't think the rest of these guys really were. And probably because they were all freshmen. Like, if John Wall comes back for his sophomore year, Derek Rose comes back for his sophomore year, Ben Simmons, Carl Town, so on and so right, forth, they might be Blake. In right. college, Blake was just so dominant in college. That's why I went with him. But to be honest, well, Bogut's I Bogut's another multi-year player. Right. But yeah, nobody's taking Bogut. Right. No, and I don't think I. You know, I didn't. I don't think I. He was just like that random guy on Utah, like that was doing like pre-draft workouts against nobody. That had to go ahead of Chris Paul and Darren Williams. Um. Yeah, no, I, I think I think Zion is is worth going next. I think the only guy who I'll actually say, and this is gonna sound 
kind of nuts because of the way his college season went. I know you're going to say. Yeah, Simmons is the only other guy. Uh, I that, thought you were going to say Kyrie, uh, which would have been crazy. No, I mean, Kyrie was amazing at Duke. But no, I mean, I think Simmons, if we're just talking on like the pure talent he exhibited at LSU, I think he's in that conversation. And I'm taking like Simmons locked in at LSU. I'm taking over Wall or Irving or Derek Rose or the rest of these guys. Well, I guess the moral of the story is Zion's really freaking good. Yeah, and when we look at this list, like, like I liked Anthony Davis, but I could not have foreseen what he's become. And like, he's a guy that even though he was taking one, I think he surpassed the expectation of his upside. Yeah, I agree. Um, you look at Bogut, didn't live up to it. No, definitely not. Uh, Odin obviously didn't. Rose. A lot of these guys. I think a lot of these guys. What's interesting about this list is I think injuries have you know as are it takes a toll on a lot of players in the league. This league it seems like is very injury riddled. Sure. As far as like their careers have been hampered. Like I th- but but no, continue with what you're saying. So. No, I mean like like John like Rose had to have lived up to his hype, right? Yeah. I mean Blake, I think did too. Yeah. I think Wall has done has lived up to his hype. Um, Kyrie surpassed it. Would you agree with that? Yeah. No, I mean, with Kyrie, it was like a conversation between him and Derek Williams. So I think that that just shows you that. Bennett didn't. Wiggins hasn't. Towns, jury's still out. Uh, Simmons, too early to tell. But, I, yeah, too early to tell. Folk, I would say Simmons and Towns, you can probably just put them in the, like, they, they, they've lived up to being number one picks so far. Well, it, it, to me, I guess all yeah. I'm trying to say is I look at, I look at Zion, and he his upside, it just feels, the expected upside feels as high as anyone we've seen on this list. Like, the, I don't know if there's anyone on this list that has the expected upside that Zion has if if what we just saw last night is a sign of things to come. Yeah, I Does think... Does that make sense? I like, think, expected upside? I think the only two guys are or the ben. two guys that went first. Who? No, I would say Ben has expect the expected upside Zion has. I don't agree. I thought it was a, a serious conversation. Maybe it still is. I thought it was a serious conversation at the time between Simmons and uh, Brandon Ingram. So I think that kind of tells you all you need to know. Well, I'm not saying realistic upside. I'm saying like when you're putting out there like what this upside could be if like everything goes right. Ben's upside was like MVP candidate. Right. I, yeah. Sure. You know, and you I, know what I'm and saying? I, I think Anthony, like, in, like, I think every, Anthony Davis and Greg Oden are also in that category. Uh, at the time, yes. Uh, Odin to Davis maybe was because I was younger and I just missed something. But I when I saw Davis in college, I thought like rich man's Camby. Yeah. No, I agree. I think part of that though. I think I think if he was playing now in the way that Duke and Kentucky have structured things now. And I probably look like he an would... idiot saying rich man's Camby for Davis. <laughs> no, I mean, I think at the time it wasn't that crazy because the thing about it, Camby was the number two pick in an awesome draft. So he obviously looked amazing in college and turned into Camby. So it makes sense that someone could look amazing in college and be a rich man's Camby. So right. it's not that crazy. But I think that if you put Anthony Davis in college now as a freshman – he would be amazing. He wouldn't average 14 and 9 like he did on that team. The game was just different then, and the freedom these guys had was just different at the time. So, um, but I do think people had like seriously high 
Like he he was someone that there was no conversation with about who's going to be number one. And I think a lot of these guys, um, even Simmons, a lot of people had conversations with uh, if he's number one. Now I don't know how but serious that, they were. But that, like that if, was that was like intangible stuff. That was mental stuff. Sure. I guess what I'm I'm just saying like Davis was unquestioned was an unquestioned number one pick, which. I think him probably and Blake Griffin maybe are the only two guys. Like even Rose wasn't. People thought Beasley could be number one, um, and maybe Zion's going to be in that category. But either way, I think you're trying to. The point you're trying to make is that if you look back at the last fifteen number one picks, this guy's like potentially from a prospect standpoint in the upper upper crest of them as prospects. Yeah, like maybe top two. Right. Top yeah. three. No, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. After what I saw last night, again, let's stress, it was like 30 minutes of played basketball by him. Uh, but after what I saw last night, I mean, it, you know, it was just it was just something different. Yeah, and I think you look at this list and just to kind of rehash, Odin, the expectation was like, this guy's going to win championships. Uh, with a guy like Simmons, it was like MVP candidate. Like Zion's just, I don't know if he's like, this guy's going to win championships, but he does feel like this guy could be one of the five best players in the NBA. Like, he, like that, that could, to me feels like his upside. I just, I just want to be that, careful. That sounds nuts. I just want to be careful about one game. It was, it was insane. And I think, and I'm not saying that we're overreacting, but I think that there's a possibility that we're reacting to having seen something just that was different. Because he's unlike anything anybody's ever seen before on the basketball court to a certain extent. And I just don't wanna I wanna be careful and not overreacting to it. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, I can't really like I you know, I'm not putting up an argument to to the expectations that you're setting. No, I mean it's it's just it's expected upside and again, not realistic upside, but Zion could be just incredibly special. Um, and I don't think a lot needs to go right for that to happen, which is also something kind of very different when we just look at last year's draft, when everybody kind of had a, this needs to happen, that needs to happen. If Zion's improvement is for real, which I guess is a what-if, but it's it's much different than the rest of the what-ifs we're talking about from last year, he's, he's just one-of-a-kind special. And he's very exciting, and he's somebody that there's going to be... Uh, a, a fight to get to that number one pick to get him. Oh, for sure. Because not only is he going to be a special, unique talent just flat out on the scoreboard, he's going to put people in the fucking stands. He's going to be uh, uh, the face of... You, know, you brought this up last week. He's going to be like the face of a shoe company. He's going to be a super-duper megastar. Yeah. I think also something to look out for, I think that RJ, I, I think he's also... a a big, big, big time prospect. Like, also, I think potentially like better than what we saw last year. I think that the tankathon this year is going to be crazy because there might be a pretty big drop off after the top two, top three, which we talked about earlier. So I think we might see like uh, an epic tankathon and maybe some trades and stuff like that of people hopping up. But do you draft both of those top two above everybody in last year's draft? I mean, based off of one game which we saw yesterday, I don't know how you couldn't. Do you, do you draft both of those? I top thought I was two? watching like two like I th- thought I was watching like two like in their prime NBA pl- like NBA All Stars playing <laughs> yesterday. It was, you 
I mean, but that's what isn't that what happens when you drop the first, second, and third best best prospects in the draft on one team, and they're not like raw prospects. You know what I mean? They're not ideas. They're legitimate talents that are kind of ready to just destroy college basketball. Yeah, you're probably right. So then maybe we need to be careful because if we dropped, if the front court at Arizona last year was Aiton and Bagley and they looked like this and you gave them a th- whoever number three was and made them a perimeter player, then maybe we'd be saying the same thing about yeah, those if, two. Yeah, if it was Aiton and Bagley and Trey Young. Maybe we'd be saying the same thing. <laughs> maybe. Uh, we'll never know, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> what a team that would be. Yeah. Would that be the best team uh, for com- combining the guys picked the top of 2018? No way, right? I don't know. My brain's not ready for this type, we'll, we'll all to, this work. This might be a future pod. We'll, we'll leave that for a future pod. And people who follow us on Twitter, feel free to tweet the Warm Hus Twitter account with who you think would be the best trio from last year's draft, and if they could compete with the Zion, RJ, and Cam Reddish trio. There's no cool nickname yet for those guys, but there needs to be one. It's. I'm sure it's happening soon. It's somewhere. Somewhere, somebody's sitting in a room, uh, just like being forced to think of the nickname for these guys. It's like Duke marketing intern. There's no, yeah, no doubt about it. The re, the really the, the scary thing for Cam is if is if they uh, if it's a, if it's a two person oh, nickname. If it's just like Batman or Robin, yeah, and, that, and, and exactly Cam just like Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. We'll be on the look, lookout for it. Though. Yeah, um, but look, warm hustle. You know the deal. You know where to follow us. You know how to listen to us. Is there going to be a hiatus uh, for Duke basketball for a few weeks? For, from the warm hustle, do you think it's time to touch on some other guys? Yeah, what do you think? let's 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 uh, let's maybe hit a little uh, Nasir Little next week. Um, let's maybe talk a little Bull 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 Darius Garland uh, Vanderbilt's playing USC coming up, so there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, and look, you know where to find us: iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever podcasts exist. We are there. Dan Fox, anything you want to say on your way out? Nothing. Game was crazy last night. Uh, hopefully we got many more of that coming. Uh, overall, it was a kind of a weak opening night as far as the Champions Classic goes, but exciting basketball nonetheless. Yeah, and uh, you will be taking over the Twitter account at some point. At some point. We'll let the people know when that's coming. When no but Twitter Dan returns to Twitter. It'll happen. Yep. Well, listen, thanks for listening to us. Um, thanks for downloading the pod. Thanks for subscribing. Share it. Write some reviews. Send us some questions. We'll be back next week. Warm Hustle. We are out.